Hi, Jessica. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Happy oh, good. Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's same to you. Yes. <laughs> you have any exciting plans for the rest of the day? Uh, cleaning my house. <laughs> it's the last from the week. <laughs> that's, that's pretty exciting. Well, I, I hope I hope our time together at least ranks higher than cleaning the house. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait and see. I guess we'll find out. Yes. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's uh, the unnecessary or the necessary evil, I guess. House cleaning, it's especially with the five-year-old. He's oh. very messy. Oh yes, yeah. They're they're like balls of energy. They just uh, go like, boy, I wish I could have some of that. You know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. Well, do you have any uh, questions for me at all before we begin, or would you like to go ahead and get going? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, I like that. Just kind of easy going. That's that's how the show is. It's just kind of laid back. We're just having a conversation. And... Got my coffee. I'm good to go. Excellent, fantastic, wonderful. Well, I'll do my uh, I'll do my intro, and and we'll get the ball rolling. <laughs> hey, this is Mark Justice, and welcome back to Between the Lines. Today we have young adult fantasy writer Jessica R. Lamore. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I'm really excited to talk with you about your fantasy genre and your writing um, because uh, th that's a particular aspect of, of fantasy that I've never really read. I, well, I have. I mean, I'm editing a book now um, for someone who's writing um, a YA fantasy, but I don't know much about the genre. So I'm excited to to learn like the difference between YA fantasy and fantasy. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. So I Today is going to be educational for me. <laughs> um, well, let's just kind of start back. I like to kind of start with the big picture items. Um, and let's go back to like your childhood and growing up. Who were some of your favorite writers and what were some of your favorite books um, as you remember growing up? Yes. So I really loved the Babysitter's Club. That was one of my like favorite series growing up. I had pretty much all of them. Um, I really liked um, Christopher Pike's books. They were called Spooksville. Um, so I think that's probably where a lot of like it, my YA fantasy, like my love for it stems from. Um, because that was like my really probably first introduction, that and Goosebumps. I mean, who doesn't love Goosebumps? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed reading those. They're kind of fun. And I even like the um, the TV show, the, the series that was on the small shorts, the movies. Yep. And yeah, they were kind of entertaining. I'm like, oh, okay. This one like took place at a fair. There was a haunted house. And yep. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I'm kind of digging this. So, I mean, it's not skewered for my demographic, but I found it still very entertaining. You know. Yes. Yep. So, and um, the Lord of the Rings, of course, I always heard that the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Yeah. So I've always been drawn to fantasy and YA fantasy specifically. Um, even now, like I still read that genre. I love it. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, I think those early form formational years where we're reading the kinds of things we tend to read when we're young that impress us are the ones that kind of stick with us yep. you know through our lives and I remember I mean I could read before I went to kindergarten so you know it was uh, it was just read to from the womb and and that was like one of the greatest gifts my I was ever given I think as a child mm -hmm. the ability to read and then just the encouraging to 
to read and continue reading. And I remember I still to this day, I must've been like seven or eight years old for Christmas. I got like a six or eight pack of novels and they were a lot of HG Wells, War of the Worlds, Food of the Gods, um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, you know, things like that. We're all in this like pack of horror novels. And that's what I was reading as a kid, just voracious, like anything I could read. And that's just kind of stuck with me. I mean, reading yeah. is like an ultimate escape. It is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Always reading. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is it about the fantasy genre that attracted you to it that you can remember? Like what specifically about that genre? I think you had touched on it. It is the escape. It's really, you can go to a whole different world if you want to. You can live a whole different life. You can meet all different people. Um, yeah, people that are nothing like you even. I think I, I've always been drawn to that. Okay. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, that, that where else are you going to go and learn about hobbits and dwarfs and, uh, or just <laughs> all kinds of other creatures, you know, and because it's different than folklore when you learn about folklore and like vampires and werewolves yeah. like that we get from the European folklore. Um, it doesn't come off as like stories. This is like, you know, here's folk tales. Um, so it's, it's kind of different when it gets put into a fiction piece. There's something that yeah. happens, even though a lot of this folklore has been borrowed and brought up it's still different when you hear and see specific like we put names on faces and you hear them talking you know and you're more following like the main character in their journey mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that that makes perfect sense um so what drew you or made you want to start writing Ooh, so I've been writing for a while now. Um, I really didn't get into it until I was in college. Um, about 18 years ago, my brother passed away from a car accident. And it, it was such like a dark time for me. And I just remember, I just started to write just random things. And it really, it really just got me through like a really dark place. Mm -hmm. And as the years went, I would always kind of revisit it. The same story would always come back to me, like just could not escape it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the first book of my series, The Princess of the Rebellion. Um, Lana, the main character, I feel like she's just always been with me. And I would put the story away and just kind of go on with life and kind of forget about it. But she was always kind of in the back of my head. Like, you just got to write the story. Just write it. Just write it. And so on and off the past 17 years, I've been kind of working on it and something 2020 hit. And I don't know what it was. It was prior to the pandemic. It was like bright in January. I'm like, maybe I should try to do something with this. Cause I had the first book done. Um, and I just decided to look for an editor, worked with a couple great editors and just decided to put it out there. I think my husband was a big kind of proponent for it. Just put it out there. Like you have it. Why don't you? People mm -hmm. will read it if they want to. If they like it, great. If they don't, oh, well, they'll find something else. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's something uniquely personally satisfying about just doing the work yes. and, and, and completing it and yes. having it done. Yeah. And, and I find, did you find the process of writing cathartic and healing i mean during this dark time uh, obviously just being able to deal with your emotions and your thoughts in a way is like the best kind of therapy i find uh, yes a hundred percent i just it was kind of my escape for a bit um i didn't have to be the girl whose brother just died i could be whoever i wanted mm -hmm. um it really got just writing in general got me through one of the darkest periods of my mm -hmm. life 
Yeah. Um, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, my second, my first two books were kind of written through my darkest time, uh, dealing with deep depression, like, um, you know, really horrible stuff. And being able to write about that through other characters made made it a very cathartic process. You know, I was able to kind of deal with it, express those emotions in a way, and yeah. also under, understanding them in a, in a way that was um, almost different than just experience, feeling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you see it on a page, you and it's it's like you are processing as you go. You're just processing, um, and when it turns out to kind of work in in the context of a story, it's that's even better. Especially when, like, if no one else knows that these are your thoughts, it almost is. You know, it, this all seems like it's fiction. You know, yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like when I go back and I really think about my first book. I see like a parallel between what I was going through and what my main character was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my main character, she finds herself in this whole new world. And at the same time, she's mourning the loss of her previous life while trying to adjust to her new life. And really, I mean, that was me. I found myself in a new world without my brother and just learning to kind of navigate that while also, you know, mourning him and mourning what our family looked like prior to that. Sure funny like I just I picked up on that not long ago like for as long as I've been working on the book I hadn't even thought about it Mm -hmm. did that make you appreciate the book uh, differently than what you had before yeah that book holds a special place in my heart I feel like I've learned so much from writing that book and I'm on my third book now um the first two books are out the third book of mine is with my editor um and I see stuff that I could have changed um, but really like that book, just even as it is now, it just holds a really special place in my heart. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Because of, of the emotional connection, you can't, yes. you can't sever that there's, yeah. even though it, it may not be perfect for you in that regard, there's yeah. mm-hmm. the purity of it, the, 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 the connection to your heart. That's what makes it good for you. Yes. You know, right. Yes. I, yes, I, oh, I completely understand that. Um, you can work. And as you move on, once you've processed those emotions, it's not that they go away but you you deal with them better and you come to a healthier place and then then the art or your craft of writing prose can kind of kind of take over and become a stronger i mean you become more confident in your writing ability um after you deal with the emotional you know kind of toll whatever you're dealing with once that's dealt with then it, you can take a breath and it comes off your shoulders and like okay now we can just move on is, yeah. is does that ring a bell at all a hundred percent yes yes yeah no I, I get it um the way you feel about your first book is how I feel about my second um it's a splatter western and, and it was processing not necessarily um depression but anger um through as a result of what caused the depression and just but I was also so it was also in a very dark place anyway and and I love revenge it's the purest I think story you know, of all time, <laughs> that's kind of why God made hell, right? <laughs> um, you know, if you believe that. Uh, and, but it, that was, that book, even though it may not be perfect, was like the first time I remember letting go of any, any qualms about what I wrote, what was on the page, you know, um, just push and let my complete id come out for the first time, like no censoring, no holding back in any way, shape or form. Um, going to the darkest recesses that I could just, just 
and and being comfortable allowing myself to do that. And so that why that that book will always be to me like my favorite in a way because it was my first time that I just let it all out. You know, I opened my open a vein and here it is. You know, uh, yeah. So I totally understand understand that emotional connection to your work, and that's a, I think I don't know if people understand as writers. It, it's almost impossible to not put yourself in everything that you do, right? You find yourself still, you're still putting yourself in your work, right? Yes. Yep. It's weird. Even um, like characters, probably every character that I write has something of me in them. Even mm-hmm. the villain, I think there's a little tiny piece of me in there. <laughs> yeah, you have to. That's how you relate yep. and, and make the characters real. You know, yep. and that's something I, would, I definitely want to talk about. Um character development in the down the road but yeah I, I, I agree we have to you can't be totally detached from a character in it to make it the character feel real otherwise it's going to be a, a caricature or a trope you know yeah. or something like that yeah well going back to YA fantasy um at the genre so what made you want to write that particular genre as opposed to just traditional fantasy? I know you liked it, but was it your love of reading the YA fantasy or was there some other other pull towards YA fantasy for you? No, purely it's, I'm always reading YA fantasy. So it's like that meme you always see, like for writers, make, whatever you're writing, make sure you enjoy reading it because you're going to read it over and over and over and over. <laughs> and so I figure I just love why fantasy and the idea just kind of came to me I might as well write it <laughs> yeah that makes sense um do you plan on writing in other genres or are you going to stick with YA fantasy I love my YA fantasy I'm probably going to stick with it no, no that's fine that's good yeah <laughs> yeah no I like that um is I, I know other writers who tend to find their sweet spot, like you found the thing that you love and they say in that, um, I think because my first book wasn't a genre I didn't know, I didn't plan on ever writing. It's a cozy mystery. Um, and I'm more of always been more of a horror, sci-fi, more mm-hmm. comedy guy. Um, so writing in this genre, which I did not know about, I had to do research actually to know what it was before I started writing. Um, that was a stretch for me as a writer, but I really kind of found that I, I wrote things and ex- explored relationships and all these things with, and connections with characters in ways that I found really satisfying as a writer, as a creator, but I would probably as a consumer never have bought my own book. You know, um, and so that that is what I find intriguing because when I hear about people uh, or or books, um, often on the Today Show, they will do you know Jenna's Book Club or something, and I hear about these writers who write these books like five generations of family dysfunction. I'm like, oh my god, you know, I just I can't imagine like trying to even read two minutes of that. It would just like no, no, I'd rather just not read at all. But as a as a creator though, I kind of get it. Like as a writer. I, I kind of get it because there's a different satisfaction in creating than con, than than consuming. But you love both consuming and writing. But do you find that as well? Like there's something differently satisfying about creating a product that you like versus reading another's? Yeah, I, I can see that. I can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, that's... I, I kind of get it now because there comes a detachment. 
like once you write something and set it out in the world, it's just kind of off on its own. Like you're usually onto your next work and your next work and your next work. You know, you don't just stick around like the one thing I've made because you're just going to keep on writing more yeah. and more. Right. And um, so that's a whole different thing as well. Like they're like the first movie I did, I felt uniquely sad when it was over because I had been editing it and spending like a hundred hours of editing. And I, I was experiencing all the joy and laughter of being with everyone in the movie and reliving all the, the laughter we did shooting it. So by the time I was done editing, I felt this unique sadness, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to miss spending time with these people, even though it was just me watching video. But I've I never, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I feel like that's how I'm going to feel when the series is over because my care, Lana has been with me. Oh my gosh. For so long now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, 17 I, years. You said 18 years, something like that. 18 years in a couple of weeks. Um, my brother passed away and then yeah. oh, like a month after that, I started to write. Yes. I just feel like when the series is done, like, wow, it's going to feel strange. Um, yeah. Are, yeah. do you think after that series, you're you're going to move on to another wire oh, yeah. series? I already have other ideas. Oh, okay. Good, good, so good. Ideas. Like I can't, I don't have time for them though. <laughs> yes. Isn't that the truth? It's like, sometimes I wish I didn't have to sleep because like, right. you know, I could use those extra eight hours, you know, like, yeah, I got things I want to do. <laughs> right. Because there's always this like line of books. Like you see, they're like staring at you. Like yes. I'm waiting for you to finish that one because we're next. Yeah. <laughs> um. What makes a good YA fantasy story to you? What elements are needed to make that story good? I think to make a good YA fantasy, you have to be able to relate to the main character and what they're going through because, I mean, it's fantasy. This stuff doesn't really happen in our normal everyday life. So there has to be some kind of element where you can relate to that character. And even though like wild, crazy, magical things are happening to them, you can almost picture yourself there with them. To me, that's mm -hmm. what makes a good YA fantasy. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So character driven and yeah. fantastic elements. What kind of fantastic elements come are necessary or come in or the ones that you find yourself writing most about? Like what, what would be fan fantastic in your mind or in your, your books? different worlds. Um, my book, I write different dimensions. Um, you get there through traveling through mirrors, um, magic. I have mermaids. I have, um, oh boy, all kinds of things. <laughs> no, I like that. Um, no, that's cool. Yeah. So I like, that. I like, it's one thing I like doing the show about doing the show so much is meeting authors like yourself and discovering creative process and how we all get from like one, the same beginning to the same end, very wildly in different ways. Um, and then also learning like these kinds of things, like the, the worlds that we make, you know, yeah. and, and how they're so different and what makes them special. Yeah. And so this, that's what's, that's very exciting. So when you are writing, how do you know when you've written something, I'll say fantastic, put that in quotes, like the fantasy element, when do you know, like you've, you've reached your own litmus test, like, yeah, this, this is high fantasy for me. Ooh, I think if it's just something that normally just wouldn't happen to me in everyday life, right? I mean, I can go to a mirror and push on it and nothing happens to me, but <laughs> there are certain mirrors in this world where you walk through them and you can find yourself in a different dimension. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's beyond 
the supernatural, beyond the natural then, yes. That, that makes sense. Well, since you had mentioned this world that you've been building, and I'd like to talk about the concept of world building because it's important. You know, um, we, we have characters, we have a world that they need to live in, and those kind of have to be in somewhat of a harmony for it to be believable. So how do you go about designing your world, or how have you gone about designing your world? So it's funny. Um, the world that Lana, when you're first introduced to Lana, she lives in just a small town in upstate New York, which is very modeled after like where I grew up. Um, and then Brittian, which is the world that, you know, she's from the other dimension that she ultimately ends up going back to that came to me in a dream. Like, I know it's probably not the answer you're looking for really. It all came to me in a dream. And so I just kind of took it from there. I like that. I mean, I, I remember ideas coming to me in dreams. And sometimes you you wake up just enough to go, oh, that's going to be a good idea. And then you go back to sleep and you forget it. And that's usually what happens to me. But no, no, I, I love that aspect. Because, I mean, fantasy is just the same thing with horror as opposed to science fiction. Those things tend to, do tend to tap into our dream states. You know, horror more in our nightmares, but th there can be nightmarish aspects to fantasy as well. We have all the monsters and the horrible things that happen, you know. Um, so, no, I, I like that. You, you're paying attention to your dream. Yeah. Um, and, and then once you kind of started that world, uh, how have you continued to develop it or flesh it out? I think a lot of just notes. I kind of write everything down. Um especially this first book too, it has gone through so many reiterations. I remember some of the very first drafts were not good at all. My mom would read them though, and she would love them. And they were like the best thing ever, but like going back and reading them now, I cringe a little, like they were not good. <laughs> and so I think it's just been with every draft I do, like I did for it, the world just kind of kept getting fleshed out even more and even more. And then even when I thought it was good and I sent it to an editor and they're like, no, we need more here. <laughs> so I think really having a good editor is key too. They can help you kind of find your blind spots. Right. Yeah. That, that kind of developmental editing where they're yes. looking at the big picture Yes. You know, as, as opposed to copy editing. Although that's, that's a great skill too, to, to yes. have that ability. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes, um, we we're almost sometimes too close to our creation to yes. see it, to see the gaps in our own logic. And uh, it is nice to have someone who can see those gaps and being you know, wanting our best. So they, they tell us what we can do to make our work better. That's, yes. that's good. What aspect of your world do you like the most? Ooh, boy, I think it's uh, um, the part, the, for book one, I think the chapter that I really liked writing was meeting, um, they're called Altarians. They um, are kind of like a special type of mermaid that it, they're able to go on land and they also live underwater. And I feel like just their whole underwater world really intrigued me at first and their backstory and why they are the way that they are. To me, that was probably one of my favorite parts of writing the first book. And that was one of the scenes that came to me very early on. And I remember I wrote that chapter prior to really having anything else. Okay. Um, I'm, when they come on land, do they 
do they like walk like a lungfish with their arms? Do they grow, do they grow legs? How do they, how do they, do they waddle? I mean, how, this is, I'm, I'm intrigued now. How they, how they motivate on land. They legs, they kind of oh. look like us. They have gills that kind of close over when they're on land. So okay. it takes them a while to kind of get acclimated. Okay. Before they can talk or anything. And so the tails yeah. disappear and turn into legs when they get on land or is they always have tails yeah. and legs? No tails. They oh, no tails. Oh, okay. So they can like, really cross this chest uh, you and me if they wanted to. I see. Okay. I and see. When they go into water, they're kind of their gills reopen. Oh, okay. So like a gill people versus like a traditional mermaid. Then. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like, like a creature from the Black Lagoon kind yeah. of. Oh, no, that's great. I love that. Um. Okay. It's like different. Like they don't, like they have like the scaly skin, the green scaly skin. Yeah. Um, but no tails. Okay. Yeah. No, no, that's awesome. That's much more frightening. Kind uh, of yeah. That's much scarier because then, you know. What if they get really angry and come on board and they want to attack somebody, you know, but they can't go too far away from the shore because they'll dry out. Um, is that something that happens to them? Like, do they need to be like, can they only spend a certain amount of time outside of water? Or do they lose their power like outside of water? No, but where, well, where they are now, something happens to them. And I don't want to kind of give it away, like, sure. kind of like backstory. Um, they're kind of more in water now because the people on land have just been too kind of awful to them and mm -hmm. a lot of things have happened. And so they don't really go up on land much at all anymore. Sure. Yeah. And those surface dwellers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. That's awesome. Um, those are the kind of the questions that I would ask if I'm creating this race. I'm like, because it reminds me of all the tropes about reading Aquaman growing up oh. as a kid, like, you know, he has powers in water but they diminish outside of the water like he what good is him calling he can't call the any of the great beasts when he's out you know middle of a city mm. telepathically the only piece you know he might be go to a aquarium and communicate with the fish in there but you know he like kind of loses some of his edge if he's in the middle of like new york you know <laughs> um right no 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 that's 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 good well is there an aspect of your world that you like the least like when you design it like and looking at it now like uh, i i don't really care for this i gotta change this Ooh, i don't think so i think to me writing i always i struggled with this in the beginning I did not like putting my main character through any of the hard things. There's almost this weird like protection that I have for her, but that doesn't make a good story. Like you have to, <laughs> I think I'll kind of expand the answer. Just say, just in general writing, that's kind of hard sometimes to mm -hmm. put your character through the ringer like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, certainly can, can be, I guess I was just trying to think like, I don't know if I like any of my characters enough to care about whether that happens to them. I was like, I'm being honest here. Um, I care like, too much. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I guess because um, each of my books, you know, my series is like the one that's the, the splatter Western that my focus is on the rage. I mean, I love this character, Gage Black. He's awesome. But it's like, it, it's almost the, the, the focus is on the rage and his venting and my other series it's a pulp series um action horror you know death said it's just i'm still learning that character i've only written one book so i'm still kind of, kind of feeling them out but it's more about the action and what happens you know yeah. um 
And then uh, as my regular listeners will know, they're probably like, oh, Mark, you got to talk about this again. But um, what I've done, my cozy mystery series, is only going to be four books. Each of them take place during a season. So I've done my winter book was the first one. Now I'm doing the spring book. Um, and once it's finished with those four books, I'm going to be doing a horror story set in the same town with the same characters. Oh, that's um, interesting. Like everybody, the whole town. Like every single character is going to die. And um, people are like, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I can. I mean, yeah. Why well, aren't you worried about what people are not going to be happy about that? I go, they don't have to read it. I mean, part of the the doing is the exercise as the writer. Like, because I, I know the story. I've written the end. I mean, it's a gut punch. When I wrote it, I'm like, <sighs> I felt it viscerally like, man. And I hope, I wanted to move people too. Like, Yes. I, especially the people who've read the cozies i want them to read this and like i want them sobbing like oh my god i can't believe you killed you know like yeah they're all gonna go um Listen, but I, I i want that will the cozy like will all the plot lines from the cozy mysteries are they still there or is it just completely different no everything that you every story and plot line and character from the cozy series are going to be shown off in the horror as well oh, so, no. <laughs> i've been taking there's this pleasure i've had of like finding the most horrible things to do to these characters and they're like my, my wife's like I, th- I thought you'd love these characters i go yeah i do i do love these characters um well then you could never write another cozy mystery i go well it wasn't my intention so that's that's kind of fun as a writer <laughs> in my third book um spoiler alert there is um a death and i'll tell you i was like sobbing as i'm writing it i can't imagine killing off like more than one person at a time i'm usually pretty dispassionate about those kinds of things as i said i've written horror before it's like you know that's the that's my space um but you know killing off these characters that i've written about that's a whole different thing and yeah and there was this weird like trade-off between like dread and exhilaration of 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 like penning the worst possible outcomes for these yeah. characters you know and like and just anticipating like oh man readers boy they are they're just going to be gutted by this one you know? <laughs> <laughs> so th- that's what i'm really excited about i'm i think i'm most excited about that book coming out more than anything oh, that i can anticipate oh. so yeah. so um well speaking of characters let's talk about your characters um and how you go about and and creating and develop them what is your process there really just a lot of notes um when I first started writing I was kind of went into it as more of a pantser like literally just writing to write and seeing what would come out um kind of like the more that I write and like the more drafts that I did of that first book, um, I really just kind of switched, I guess. I'm, I'm kind of like a, a good in-between of a plotter and a pantser. Um, you know, I kind of start out kind of pantsing it and just writing to write and just kind of seeing what happens and what kind of what I create and then going through and really doing notes, um, I follow um, Save the Cat. Have you heard of that book? Um, it's a writing book. Cat. It kind of helps you. Um, I really recommend to any writers out there by Save the Cat writes a novel. It's such a helpful book. Um, and it kind of breaks up all of the, the novels that have really become like bestsellers. And they all have the same, the same, they follow the same um, structure. 
and it, it kind of teaches you the structure of what like a successful book should have. And so I'll go through my save the cat notes and kind of plan out each B um, to kind of like pull everything together, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Oh, okay. So again, another, another unique way of looking at development. Um, yeah. Another way I like another reason why I love doing this show is like, oh, okay, that's a something I'd never heard before. That's that's awesome. So, um, which of your characters would you most like to have a drink with? Oh, Lana, a hundred percent. I was to say, well, you've already talked about her so much. I'm like, well, this is kind of a moot point. It's probably going to say Lana, but um, can yeah. you have you imagined like spending time with her? I mean, she's as you in a lot of ways, but as a writer, are I know people imagine then talking to their to their characters all the time, which is something that I've never, never imagined uh, sitting down and talking with the character. Yeah. Although when I came up with this question, I began thinking which of my characters would I like to talk with, um, and and I'm like, oh, because I don't, I, yeah, it's just something that never entered my brain. So, yeah. um, what? Imagine you're sitting you're sitting with Lana. What would be the first question you would ask her? How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> How would she answer? She's hanging in there. <laughs> okay, good. I, 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 love I think at this point with book three, she'd be answering, she'd be telling me to kind of slow it down a little bit. She needs a break. <laughs> um, maybe the, yes. Have you thought about taking that break and like writing one of the other genre books first um, to give her that break and some time and space away? To let her rest and then coming back to this, your original story? I have, and it's more, I think at times I need a rest from the series. Okay, yeah. Uh, definitely. Um, and I kind of toy back and forth with if I'm going to start book four immediately, like after I'm completely done with book three, or mm -hmm. if I should just start something else and kind of give yeah. myself that little break. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, what after I did, wrote the the cozy, I I also didn't want to be known as a cozy mystery writer because I've written so much other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want a, some a deranged Kathy Bates coming and hobbling me, telling me to write the next cozy. <laughs> but like, no, I want to write a splatter western. No, you're not, Mister Man. You're going to write. I want to see what happens to Abby. Um, which is what's happening. My read, you know, people who read yeah. the first book are like, Hey, when, when's the next book coming out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but writing in those multiple genres, four books, four different genres, mm. then coming back to writing the second of the cozy series was really fascinating. Like there was a little trepidation coming into it because I had spent such a long time since I had been in that world. It was like, Oh, that's going to feel a little weird. And yeah but I also felt a lot more confidence in my prose than I did at the first yeah. time. Like when I started writing, I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, it was like, Oh, it, okay. That I think I'll be okay here. Yeah. Um, but it was, that was, that was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. And I had to go back and reread my first book. Cause it had been a couple of years since I had published it. And that's when I was like waiting for the cringe, like, uh, and it really wasn't as cringy as I thought it would be. There were a few moments that were a little, little small tea, which like, oh, okay, yeah. a, little, a little too saccharine here, Mark. <laughs> but, it, but there were more moments of like, oh, that's that's a good line. That's not bad. Um, and I love those moments. Yes, I yes. Moments. Like, oh, wow, this isn't really that bad. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And like, 
I was more astonished at just like going, my God, I don't, I don't remember writing this at all (laughs) for almost the entire book. I'm like, I know I did the act of writing. But you know how when you write, you're just lost in the moment. You're right, yeah. just producing. Yeah. And, and you know if you're get, making progress. Yeah. But I, you know, reading again, I'm like, God, I, like 90% of the book, I just had no recollection of writing. And I'm like, I felt like Stephen King when he wrote Cujo on Coke. He, oh, my gosh. I don't know if you know that story. Oh. He says he was so doing Coke so much at that time, the early 80s. He doesn't recall writing Cujo at all. Wow. And, and I like I wasn't on Coke or anything. Um <laughs> so but I just I didn't remember writing most of it. I mean there I knew what scenes were coming up. Like, yeah. okay, this is what's this is gonna happen. But the actual like getting to that scene, I found little pleasant surprises, like, yes. oh, this is this is I actually kind of nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And I felt that way about all my books. It's like I uh I, I surprised myself like, yeah. wow. Okay. You, you did all right here, Mark. You didn't do yeah. so. Yeah. This is pretty good. Look at you. You son of a bitch. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's talk a little bit about your plotting. Cause you mentioned that you were started off with a, as a pantser. Yeah. And now that you're, you do some of this hybrid kind of thing. So can you talk about your creative process? And, and you know, if you want to talk about your organization as well, uh, if they, they're kind of an intertwined um, at, at some level, how you proceed from organization to drafting, or we can separate it. If you want to talk about just your writing process versus your organization process. I think um, especially writing a series like you have to remember everything that happened like from book one on and you don't want to like forget anything. I just have a notebook that I use just a plain Mm -hmm. notebook and I just have it like kind of broken up into sections. Um, I have like main plot points from the first book, main plot points from the second book now that they're already out. And as I go through and I'm plan the next book, I just kind of take time I look at those notes. Sometimes I'll reread the first book and, you know, the second book just to kind of put myself back into that world and kind of back into Lana's shoes. And I, I think mainly in the beginning, I just kind of write what comes, any plot points that I think I want to visit, um, any cool scenes that are kind of coming in my head. Um, and then from there, I bring up my save the cat (laughs) kind of write out my beats, my plot points, and then just kind of take it from there. I just, I'm okay. a, I love it. So even your organization is kind of pantsed in a yeah. way. You're pantsing, you're plotting as you go. Awesome. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And as I write, I kind of go off my notes. Like I usually, mm-hmm. I like to have my chapters at least broken out with like one or two plot points in each chapter. Okay. So I, I know where the story is going. Right, like right. But how exactly you get there, that kind of happens through the writing itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I completely get it. I think no matter how much you plot out, I'm a plotter. comes from years in academia. um, And I taught English for quite a long time. So I taught my students, though, academic paper writing is different than other types of writing because it is logical and orderly and you have to present an argument and, you know. um, But I kept all that organization into my fiction. So... uh, you know, my, my outline, I, I'm a lister. So I, that's how I generate ideas. Mm-hmm. I just list and I take the ideas I like and I start developing and expanding them and just writing down everything 
because you never know what's going to be used for and what's not. Yeah. Um, and then once I start, I, I then put everything into an outline. That's how I arrange my story. Um, and with my cozies, all the stories take place in the course of a week. So I have to make sure day by day, here's what's happening per day. It's yeah. a busy week. It's a really busy week, especially this book. There's a lot crammed in this week. I'm like, maybe I should have rethink this <laughs> uh, week thing. Um, but I, I like having that outline because it doesn't matter how detailed the outline my current one is like 23 pages uh, for my new book, but you still have to get from point A to point B to point C yeah. word at a time. You know, you, even though you know exactly what's going to happen, getting to there still involves writing down sentences and yeah. dialogue and, and I like being surprised. I like to see like where the story kind of goes on its own. Oh, really? Okay. There are parts that just kind of, I never really expected it. And it just kind of happens organically mm -hmm. on its mm -hmm. own. And yeah, I, I get that too, because yeah. I've had those moments of surprise, and I I let them happen, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't, and that's okay. Yeah. I can take it out and cannibalize yeah. it, um, you know. And like an example in the first book, uh, I knew I was writing. Abby was the main character. She's depressed because she just lost her job, and she's trying to figure herself out, and and um she was just kind of trying to work through these feelings of, of being lost. Like she knows other people succeed and get to this point, but she doesn't know where the point is. She felt lost like in the middle of this like dark lake at night. And I'm terrified of deep bodies of water. They just oh, ter yeah. terrify me. And I'm just thinking, this is the scariest thing for me. So of course I'm gonna put her in there just let her flop around for a while. But she's imagining, you know, using this as a metaphor. And when I wrote this, the imagery is really great, but it's terrifying. I'm like, this is just too dark for a cozy mystery, but I can always, I knew I was just going to let it write out because you have to write it out. You know, yeah. you're not be able to use it, but you can use it for something else. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, I can't cannibalizing that. I'm going to put that in the horror book because it's more appropriate than, you know, I could, I'll find a way to use it because it's too good not to, not to use. Yeah. Um, so, but I still find myself having those same moments of discovery and imagination but it's not, it doesn't alter necessarily the story as much as something about the characters and the relationships kind of takes its own turn or the way they express themselves yeah. or how they develop. That's, that's where the invent or that's where the discovery happens for me. Cause the plot I need to follow cause it's a mystery and et cetera, et cetera. Got to lay those bread you know, crumbs, yeah. but then it, but it's that same discovery happens and the characters kind of take over and they kind of blossom in ways that I didn't expect. Yeah. So I, I still love that, that feeling of, of like, Oh, I yeah. didn't, didn't expect that, you know? And then I usually, um, I just finish the draft. I don't really edit anything until I have a draft done, like a whole complete draft. And then I like to go back and kind of do my own edits after I feel mm -hmm. like you get too bogged down trying to edit as you go. Yes. So to me, I just like finishing, having just a complete draft first and then going back through. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree because you, the every part of the writing process has its own demands and parts of the brain that you need to be. And I always tell my students the same way. When you are drafting, don't censor yourself. There's going to be a time for that when you're all done. Don't That has its own time. Don't worry about it. Don't try to make it perfect as you go because, you're you know, if you're doing a sculpture, you're just throwing clay into a rough shape. You know, yeah. you just want to kind of get the rough idea of what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, revision will allow you to make the fine cuts and the details. Yeah. That's, but you have to get it in the shape to begin with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? And I totally, totally agree. Mm -hmm. And I've met 
and talk with writers who like like to edit as they go and i'm like oh my gosh how do you do that i know i know it's like taking a fingernail file and like scraping my teeth like ah um <laughs> no. yeah but that seems to work for them but i think that what it does is you're sterilizing the growth medium yeah as you go like you are you are trying to you're making it too form perfectly formed instead of seeing something in its totality you know totality and yeah. and because you never know what it's going to be at the end i mean yeah. if you like someone who's a relative pantser you have an ideas but if you alter stuff too much too fixed in one way and say hey, we're done that in a way kind of stunts what could happen afterwards i think yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um um of all the parts of the writing process um, which do you enjoy the most when the book is done. <laughs> there you go. Nice. There's yes. such a sense of like accomplishment. Like when you're, when you're at a place where you're like, oh, wow. Like look at everything I did. I enjoy that the most. Yeah. That's I awesome. Editing. I hate the editing. <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up. Like, what do you like the least? Okay. Worst. I, I hate it. And you know, I'm in kind of editing right now with book three. I haven't got any of my edits back, but there's a part of me that's like, I just don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> Can it be done already? I know, yes. it's so hard. <laughs> what, what is it that you find most difficult or challenging about the editing process? I think it's stepping away from it and then coming back and really having to dissect it. And especially... I think more specifically, it's the developmental editing aspect um, because whole scenes could be changed. Um, right. You have to put yourself right back where you were yeah. um, and kind of get back into that feeling and that story when I'm just ready mm -hmm. to be on. I'm ready for the next book. Like I'm kind of. <laughs> You're over it. Yes. Over it. Yes. I, I, I know it's 100%. To dissect it and kind of remold it and reshape it. For me, anyway, there could be people out there who love the editing process. Yeah, I mean, I understand it's where you can make what you've done and make it better and and yeah. and and do it, but it's hard work. It's yeah. it's different if you're writing. You know, I've had to throw away entire chapters yes. before and rewrite them, or just excise them all together because yep. they weren't working, and that could be really frustrating. Um, but especially when you think it works, right? And then you back from that developmental editor and they're like no this really doesn't work this is not right awesome. you're like okay <laughs> and then they say you could make it work you, you're a writer you can do that I'm like eh, i thought i did the first time um right but now i'm i'm cognizant i'm well aware of there are two at least two areas in my my new book that i know are going to need to be rewritten um yeah. because there are two characters who just don't have any personality you know they are just a trout flopping around on the shore yeah. they just i mean and they, they were really tertiary in the first book but again i'm trying to develop them with every book and i'm like i i, I think the reason why i'm having a hard time with them because i know what they look like and that's it i yeah. didn't i didn't really expect them to take on larger roles i wasn't going to develop them more but now i find the need to and i i just haven't sat down and thought about them i know what they do and that's it um yeah. and it's not enough you know, and so when I was writing them, it's like, this dialogue is bad. This dialogue is flat. And I even put notes on myself in all caps, change this. <laughs> yes, it's like, this sucks. Mark. Back to this. <laughs> yes, fix this. You know? <laughs> yeah. So now I'm like, huh. So I, I'm well aware of going to that. Like, yep. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> like, I'm more confident in like telling the story, less so in, in these characters. And that's, that's okay. I mean, 
I'm, I'm bringing in a lot of new characters. I better get used to it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they'll all be dead soon anyway. It won't matter. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's so funny. I, it is. I know. Um, I'm just waiting for the angry anger response. Yeah, I you know. <laughs> I, I'm so excited. Just looking forward to that. Oh, okay. As a writer, we're always taught a couple things. Like whenever you first go into a creative writing class, you're taught to write what you know. And then we had to find this elusive thing called our voice. Yeah. Um, so when did you first come to realize what your writer voice was? You know, I've never even taken, taken a creative writing course at all. Um, I think it really took me, though, a few drafts of my first book to really kind of find my voice and to find my kind of unique way of telling the story. Um, like I said, those first few drafts were not good at all. Very flat, very one-dimensional. Um, I think it just took me some time. It took me drafts, but now that I found it, I definitely feel more confident in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does take a long time. Um, I think it's one thing that sometimes writers get get frustrated with early because we always start by imitating you know things that we like if we think we want to write the fantasy like you were doing the YA fantasy you write kind of what you've read it's just kind of this is this is my experience I'm going to try to do something like this um and then we go back and we have the cringe like uh but that's how we always start we always start with imitation and and until we become confident and like know that we can say things and, yeah. and, and be happy with how we say them, you know, our own, our own voice. And that well, takes a while. I think working with um, an editor too, really kind of pushed me, um, especially that first book. I rewrote whole parts of it um, because they just weren't really flowing. Um, and I feel like after working with somebody else, like somebody I'm not related to reading the book yeah. <laughs> and kind right. of telling me like, you know, what parts really work and why this character isn't acting like a, like a, a person would like this thing happened to them. They're going to have emotions They're and they're just not acting like it. And I feel like after working with an, a couple editors, something kind of clicked too. And so now, even as I'm writing, I'm like thinking already of like, oh, this isn't, this won't work because I can just see the editor coming back at me and telling me, no, this doesn't work. <laughs> right. Well, that's good that you have that. Comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important to have that writer, that reader team around you who you can trust to give you honest feedback. Yes. You know? Like I need to know. And I tell them and like, and I, I appreciate my readers so much because some, they all have different strengths and different backgrounds. And, and one is a really good copy editor reader because she finds like every typo, every mistake. That's great. I love that because I don't rely on word. And even though I taught English, it doesn't mean um, I'm going to find every typo because it's just going to happen. You know, and then I have another friend who's, you know, a lot of my readers are also writers. So that's Mm -hmm. helpful to have that. And we've had such a long relationship that they, I want them to be completely honest. Like there's no ego here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry. Um, and I want them to be honest and tell me what's not working. And that's what happened in the last book. And I knew when I submitted it, I knew, I didn't say anything. I said, there, I, I made a plot choice that was, I wasn't sure about. And then I had a chapter that I'm like, 
I don't know. This, this shepherd doesn't feel right. So I kind of had that instinct. And those are the two points that he picked out. And I'm like, okay, that just confirmed to me what I was like suspicious of. Yeah. So I, and I appreciated that coming from him um, because I needed to hear that. Like yeah. I needed to know that wasn't worse. So that's why I took out the whole chapter, <laughs> just like gutted it from the story. <laughs> and I thought I could use this for something else. I yeah. can, this is information that I can kind of, instead of cramming into a chapter, I can kind of dole out over books. Yeah. You know? And that's fine. I'll, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, rewriting the major plot line that I had changed um, that was took a little bit more work, but it was it was important and necessary and made the overall book stronger and and more believable. And that's that's yep. what was necessary. Um, do you do any kinds of research for your books, like when you're writing? Do you anything at all? No, I don't. Okay. I mean, I do the research of like my, like save the cat, like how is the best mm-hmm. way to structure a novel? Um, oh, okay. But beyond that, I really don't. I just kind of write what comes to me. Okay. Know, it sounds so weird, but a lot of the major plot points, and I can't even explain it. Like it just comes to me. I almost see it in my mind almost as it's like a movie kind mm-hmm. of playing out. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I don't think I haven't really done any research for anything. And see, and because I love why fantasy so much, and that's just what I write. If I were to probably write in a different genre, I imagine I probably would have to. Yeah, like, not really too. Yeah, because fantasy, you can be you're inventing wholesale. Yeah. I mean, you're inventing these these <laughs> I can make whatever I want. these gill people. Yeah, and as long as your world is consistent with itself, yes. that's fine. Yeah. Like, yes, these are the all stones, and the all stones yeah. heal us. Yeah. Okay, sure. Why not? You know, yeah. They they fell from the sky one day. We picked them up and they glow and they heal us. Like yes. that's fine. Um right, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Uh I, I do enjoy elements of research. I all my books I've researched a little bit. My third one was nonfiction, so there's a lot of research. Oh, but yeah. but um when I did my pulp Western, it's set right after the civil war. So I'm researching the weapons at the time and mail routes and, you know, different States, what was going on with different union troops, uh, like from Ohio, uh, the history of Arizona, just, you know, things that I kind of knew a little bit, because you want those details to be accurate. Because if someone who likes historical fiction picks it up and reads it and they're like, Hey, this didn't weapon didn't come out until like 1875, but not 1870, you know? Um, So that's important. And then Death's Head is takes place in the early 1930s, near on and near Haiti. So I did a lot of research into Haiti and voodoo and zombies and the the Loa involved with with voodoo, and because that's part of the story. One of the characters, the Samadhi, the the king of the of the dead, is a major character, and I wanted to make sure I was portraying him accurately because I wanted to be respectful of the religion, um, and 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 do it right, you know. Yeah. And he said, uh, no, uh, through the research, I found out, wow, this guy is such a character. He is so, so funny because that's part of his uh, characteristics. He's humorous. He's really kind of sarcastic and yeah. um, jokey, makes all these like broad, like dirty jokes kinds of things. I'm like, oh, this, this guy's going to be fun to write. And it really was. And if I had not known any of that, I would like, I don't know what to do. Um, so I away from it though i don't see i don't that's why i like writing hawaii fantasy <laughs> to me that research part that just doesn't sound fun i <laughs> i did enough research in school right well i guess because there's part of me that's still going to be always an mm-hmm. academic and i still like learning things but it wasn't i mean i because i knew the 
where this was going on and one of the characters had fought in world war one and I, I you know he was a special you know like special forces i was just researching that just enough to know like i wanted to know what battles they were in and just enough to kind of ground it in reality because it yeah. is set in a specific time in a real place mm -hmm. now one of the islands koshimar is not a real place um that's the island shrouded in mystery and fog you know that's the that's where the horror elements come in but as far as like if i'm going to write a story that takes place in haiti i kind of know i need to know the geography the layout of the land the the, the towns yeah. and the you know just enough um because that i think has to be has to be reliable the story yeah. can be fantastic yeah if we're, if we're taking you know place in the real world to an extent but yeah. yeah, I still, I still love that. I still love that research um, just because I think I'm a nerd in that regard. Like I just, <laughs> you know, I like having that bank of information and that knowledge. Um, and so, yeah, the main character has all these, like I had to, he, he had spent 10 years traveling around Europe and Asia, learning all these mystic kinds of fighting styles and, and things like that. So I did all kinds of research, like hand-to-hand -hand combat and uh -huh. different weaponry and things like that, that were used. I'm like, just so that I could Employ it skillfully yeah. into part of the story, you know. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh, okay, this 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 is pretty fun, you know. Um, do you have a favorite time of day that you like to write? That's tricky, just because I do work full time and I have a five year old, so I'm. Kind That's of another full. So you have two full time jobs. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah. I do have a very supportive husband though, who does pick up a lot of the the slack. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, but really I just kind of am writing during my pockets of time that I have my lunch break at work. I'll pull out my notebook and just start writing mm -hmm. uh, at night when my son's asleep. That's usually when I get a lot of the, my writing done. Mm -hmm. but, so you're uh, always giving that Turkey dressing yes. a lot yes. of trip to fam. Want some extra Turkey with that? Yes. Here's, here's some gravy. <laughs> the heavy mashed potatoes those carbs will put you <laughs> you'll sleep well tonight i got a chapter to finish <laughs> um yeah. and weekends too weekends sure. are good right but yeah yeah a little more little not not nearly as many demands on your time yes. um when you are writing uh do you like listen to music or anything like that or have other distractions uh going on i um generally listen to music um usually like instrumental music something without words mm -hmm. when i'm when i'm listening to words for some reason it just kind of takes me out of the story yeah, so yeah. i just kind of listen to like instrumental music that really helps me yeah do you have any particular types of instrumental like what kinds of um music do you like to listen to i don't i just kind of pull up pull up a playlist and just kind of type in instrumental and just see where it takes me okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. interesting yeah. all right yeah, uh, I, I do the same thing. I, I, I need to have music without words. Yes. Um, except for, um, I've got like Mozart uh, and Beethoven both on my playlist, um, and the Mozart like the arias and the, or not the arias, but the um, requiems and the the misse, oh. those kinds of things um, I have. But I don't have like the operas because it's just too much, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But everything else like soundtracks alien is a good soundtrack for me to write it's ambient and kind of dark and um the soundtrack to the movie ravenous is really good and and then i have a lot of like 1930s uh music like with vibraphone um kind of bouncy and kind of fun and because it's a little for my cozy mystery that's that's what i use to write that kind of bouncy and light because there's 
also a music station in the town that plays this music. Oh, so it kind of puts me in that kind of happy place to write something cozy, you know? Yeah. Um, no, but I, I totally get it. I'll probably, when I write the horror book, I'll probably listen to a lot of Slayer, you know, things like oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me how it felt seeing your book in print for the first time? Like when you held that first copy, what was that like for you? Very um, surreal. It was, and also nerve wracking at the same time, if that makes sense, just because the story, you know, I'd been working on it for so long and it was just my story. Only, um, you know, a few other people had read it. And then when I really got serious about wanting to publish it, it was just very kind of nerve wracking to see how people would like it, I guess, um, to see if it would kind of find its audience. But at the same time, it was just such a really surreal moment when I got my first, um, my first copy of it, just opening the box and actually seeing it. it yeah, it was really amazing, amazing, but surreal. Um, nerve wracking. I think it was just all the emotions kind of mixed into one. Mm -hmm. Yes. It is a little, a little weird and wonderful. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like something cements in like the reality of it. Like, Oh, okay. It's different than seeing it on a screen. What was the last part you said? Sorry. It could be around forever now. Long after I'm gone, someone might find the book. Right. I know. (laughs) Ah, Yes. Jessica R. Lamore, yes, the 21st century master, yes, you know, ah, the good old days of YA fantasy, right, yes, one of the giants, yes, that's, that's what we want to hear, right, about us, right, in the future, yeah, Um, I know because the pandemic, uh, hopefully it's uh, winding down, but do you ever do, like, any book shows or do personal appearances to sell your books? I haven't. I am not good at marketing. It's like, I am just not someone that really likes to like put myself out there like that. So the past year has been like a learning curve as I try to navigate like Instagram and now I'm on TikTok trying to figure that out. Um, But, you know, I think about it. I think about doing like the little fairs around um, our town. You know, we'll see where, where, where I go. Mm -hmm. That's a uniquely kind of interesting and and rewarding experience as well. When people who don't know you um, buy your books and they ask you to sign them, you know, personalize them. That's, that's really kind of thrilling in a way, Um, you know, and you'll get questions like, so how do you write a book, <laughs> you know, but they don't want to hear the answer, you know, like, like, well, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I hope every writer gets to experience that because there's something delightful, especially like the group I do um, uh, that does shows around where I live. They do shows like 48 weeks a year or something like that. And before the pandemic kicked in, I was doing book shows with them, especially in November, December, because Christmas time, it's a good time for people to buy um, books. And since my first cozy takes place, it's the week after Christmas. um, It was a good book for that time. Um, And then some of the vendors, when they would come in by before the show, they would see my books and they're like, oh, and they would buy it, which I thought was really sweet. And then they would see me again afterwards. They had read the book. They go, oh, 
and they would talk about it and then that just that was like a wonderful or people who had bought it at one show and they would tell me you know that they had bought it and they liked it or whatever and yeah. no one flipped me off yet or no one like yelled at me or spat at me so I guess that was like, okay <laughs> um but I, I days I'll do I'll do something like that mm-hmm. yeah I hope you do yeah um I hope I think every writer should be out being able to sell and doing a book fairs or book shows or some kind of craft fair where you can sell your books and talk yeah. talk about them um and uh yeah it's this is a really it's a really very special experience yeah. you may not you may not sell enough to cover the table costs but you know <laughs> it's a good day if you break even that's not bad <laughs> yeah. um just a few more questions and, and we'll yeah. let you get out of here um you said uh Oh, we talked about that marketing and social media. You're not really good with social media. You were oh my saying, gosh, I am just someone that doesn't really like to put myself out there. Honestly, you, when you reached out to me, I was going to say no. I'm like, ah, oh, do I really like, can I do this? And then my husband's like, oh yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Get out there. Yes. Um, well, that's good. I, I hope you're having a good time. Yes, I am. Good. Well, maybe this will help I you know. get out there more. Yes. <laughs> Good. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, um, marketing, it's just, it's hard. I don't know. Do you struggle with marketing at all? I struggle with sales. Like, I'm oh. good. I'm a shameless self-promoter. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed the two posters behind me. Okay. These are two of my movies, Monster Party oh. Beach and Quest for Uranus. Yeah. I have my books over here, more shameless oh, self-promotion. Yes. My Death's Head. And Gage Black. Um, okay. So, you know, and I do two other podcasts, and I, okay. I I'm a shameless self promoter. I, I, yeah. I have no problem with that saying, "Love me," <laughs> you know. So like that. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's that's one thing that's great about something like this mm-hmm. is that it it can cross pollinate. Like I share your stuff on my social media, you share on yours and everyone shares. And then we kind of broaden the circle of awareness for everybody. And as indie writers, that's the hard thing to get recognition. But I've met so many wonderful people through Instagram. Um, Not so much Facebook. There are some, there are writer groups that I belong to, but there's not the kind of, it's a different interaction is really great i mean everyone is so supportive i love the instagram writing community i've met like yeah. some really on there yeah oh it's it's amazing and yeah. and when other writers are you know I, I don't i don't ever ask people to buy myself on, on facebook i let people know like hey I'm, yeah. here's my book and you can go buy it you should go buy it um yeah. on instagram i i like posting it but then other writers who I, are in the, my circle they like buy you know, would buy my books and like post pictures of like, oh, I got my book today. I'm like, ah, and they read it and they give me reviews like, oh my God, you know, it's just like, you know, like, thank you. You can't, I mean, it's just, it's so kind that they want to do that. Um, but it, yeah, I, I agree. This is a supportive community. And, and so that's why I really, I like doing this is, is to getting to meet people and, and hearing their stories and it's all amazing. How, yeah. how we do different things and everyone has been different um why we write and yeah it is interesting yeah and i'm so glad that you you came on and oh. you're stepping out of your comfort zone that's awesome thank you so if you had a writer fantasy like what what would it be oh um i would love to see my series 
like is a Netflix TV show or, you know, something out there, you know, I'm not hundred percent stuck on Netflix, but whoever wants it, mm-hmm. <laughs> just how amazing would that feel to see something you created and you wrote just out there with more people to see it. Yeah. And hopefully that they would like it and then go buy your books. (laughs) Right. Yes. They would feed off of one another. Right. No, I totally get it. Um, It'd be also really cool to make a living writing full time. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be so cool. (laughs) Yeah. One of the writers groups I'm in on Facebook is like um, 20 books to 50K. And it's about. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) there's no way in hell it's going to work for me. I just know it. It's just are so amazing right there are people pulling in so much money <laughs> yeah I'm staggered I'm like I don't know what what you're doing maybe I'm not taking out enough I ads but I, I put myself out there and I do stuff um you know and I think the genre the cozy does pretty well I get lots of people reading Gage Black through Kindle for free but I'm not getting shit for that you know I'm like oh, I, know. I, I so I'm taking it off Kindle like unlimited like no, no, you're going to pay for this. It's only 10 bucks, 11 bucks. Buy the book. Um, you know, and like, no, no, no more free reads. I'm no, because if the, the page mount would have translated into sales, it'd be like 200 sales. I'm like, I could, I could use the money, you know, um, quit buying my stuff, get my stuff for free. Uh, yeah. Cause Kindle's not going to pay you. I'm going to get like 1.8 cents for every 50 pages, right? I'm like, what am I going to do with that? You know? So I did put my books in Kindle Unlimited. This is my first time with it. And yeah. I'm kind of hoping right now just to get some more exposure with it. Yeah, it's it's not going to pay off. I'm just telling you. It's yeah. Not. Yeah. These, yeah, these books have been on it for a couple of years now. And it's like, no. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know what it is. Um, the niche groups, like, I know my I know my writing is niche. Other than Cozy Mystery, that's a broad category. But Splatter Western, pretty yeah. niche. And like Pulp Action Horror, again, kind of niche. Um, so I'm curious as to, I think the cozy series will be the big seller, but I'm curious as to when I do the straight horror book, I think okay. that horror is a big genre. Horror sells really well. Yeah. Um, so I just think otherwise people just don't want to, I don't know what it is. Yeah. And then most of the, if you know, on that, on that page, they're saying, well, you got to write to the audience and know what's hot in the market and write to that. And, and like, I can't, I, I just want to write what I want to write. I want to write you know? what I want to write. Yeah. Then, yeah. And there are people who are really good at like shutting down and writing to market and yep. knowing what a good story is and simply telling a story yep. and that's how they live. But yep. you know, you miss all the joy of, and of catharsis and uh, that comes with writing and, and yeah. the pleasure of creation has got to just be, I mean, you got to be dead inside to do that. I, I would think, know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I admire the pulp writers, like the guy who wrote the shadow and all, you know, who wrote, he wrote like 237 novels um, in 20 years. He was just like, you know, a book a yeah. month, just cranking them out. They yeah. were sure pulps are like 40, 45,000 words, but still, this the amount of work and he was able to do that because that's what he could do he could just write and write and just make up stories um i want to be able to do that i want to write i have a ten thousand word day you know i think the most i ever did was like 4600 or something i'm like how the hell did i write 4600 words that took you know because it felt effortless i'm like yeah i'm doing pretty okay and i thought oh yeah i've hit my two thousand like (laughs) and next thing i checked i'm like holy crap what did i do you know a good night for me is like a thousand words. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a goal. Like a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand. I mean, the, 
as I was as I was drafting, the more I wrote, the better I was getting at, at a per page at per day word count. Yeah. You know, and and aiming for two thousand is now what I try to do. I haven't written for a while because I'm finishing up a you know a grad program. Like I do enough writing for grad school. Like I just my my I'm too many doing too many other things. So something's got to give. I'm gonna like have to slow things down. Um, but but I just found myself naturally writing more. I think maybe because when you do something, the more you do it, you get more efficient you do, yeah. at it and get a little better. So, but, cause, but every day is not going to be like that. Some days you, you, if you get 500 words, you're happy. Like yes. some days are hard. I just give up. I'll write 10 words. And I'm like, well, there's 10 words that I didn't have before. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, when it's not working and it's a yeah. struggle. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it's not like you're trying to like, I'm waiting for the muse. No, it's not that at all. It's just, it's not, we're not machines. Yep. Um, although some people can be, and I admire that. I, a part I, of me wants that. I want to write 10,000 words a day. But, you know, I would love that, yes. you know, to crank out 20 pages a day, like Stephen King. Yeah. Like, yeah, no big deal. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's what he does. That's his job. Yep. Um, and I guess if I was given, like when he got an advance for Carrie, you know, he got his 50 grand or whatever it was because yep. they bought him. Like, well, then if you know that this is your job, I guess eight hours a day, yep. yeah, the pressure's off, you know, yeah. and he's not dealing with a five-year-old running around and he's doing cocaine. So he has plenty of speed, you know, <laughs> so he can write. I keep on saying these things, hoping that eventually they come around and they'll get to Stephen King and he'll like, want to come on my show. Like I'm going to set that bastard just oh, straight. <laughs> Start manifesting that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. I, I like you, Mr. King. I, I, I'm not crazy about all your stuff, but I, you're a competent writer. I'm not going to take that away from you. Um, <laughs> that would be funny if he shows up. That would be great. Okay. Just a few more questions. We'll get out of here. Uh, what advice would you give for anyone who wants to write? Ooh, don't listen to other people. Um, if you just write what you want to write, um, buy Save the Cat writes a novel. Really, I can't recommend that enough. I tell everybody about that book. Um, and there will be people who don't like your book and that's okay. There could be family members that don't like your book or friends that don't like your book. A-okay. They can move on. They, if they think they can do better, let them, they can do better. They can write their own book. <laughs> right. There's enough room at the Hill for everyone to fly their own flag. There is. Yes. Yeah. And right. dreams, if that's something that you're passionate about, just do it. Just do it. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I have a family and friends who don't read my stuff. Um, and I, I'm, I'll, I'll admit it hurts. Like I want to share this part of myself with them. Yes. I'm like, why won't you read what I've written? I mean, my mom won't read my book toxic because it's all about my becoming an apostate and giving up my Christianity. And it's, you know, I got a three-star review on uh, Goodreads for too many F-bombs. Um, so, cause I like to swear. Um, yeah, this has been a pretty clean episode as comparatively because <laughs> I have to feel out, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'm not sure everyone's okay with swearing. I, you know, but I just enjoy it. I like all the words, you know, they're good words. And I, but I, but it still hurts. Like I, I like, I want them to read these things. Like my other stuff, like just get past the word fuck. It's okay. It's not going to bite you, but, but read, I'm writing these books. Why don't you read them? Yeah. And it's, it's a frustration to, to a point, like, because yes. to me it's because they're so important 
yeah. I'm like sharing. It's like they're denying. They're like, it's like they don't want to know me. Like they're just rejecting me in a way. Like, no, we, we, you're enough. We know who you are. We don't want to read your crap. You know, that's, like they'll read the cozy mystery, but that's it. And some people don't read anything. It's like, nah, <laughs> no thanks. It just might not be their genre. Yeah, so I guess. It is hard though when you hear when you don't have that support. I've been pretty lucky, you know. A lot of my friends, a lot of my family, even my coworkers—they've all been so supportive. Um, you know, they've bought the book. They tell me about it, so it's always exciting. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Yeah, I like to joke about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just um, right because I've always—you know—I'm the kind of person who would buy and support and read even though I don't like it or it's not my thing because the friendship means more way more to me like I'm supporting you you know not I may not like what you've done but that's irrelevant yeah it's not you know if we're friends then yeah I'm gonna you know yeah mm -hmm. I'm gonna support you because we're friends that doesn't matter I don't may not like your creative product your art but that's irrelevant you know and I guess I kind of and I do have friends who are like that don't get me wrong. I do. I have, I have friends who support me and, and um, you know, that that's, it's not like they don't exist. Yeah. It's just, there are, there's a small circle of people who I would really, really like yeah. to have read my stuff right. and the, why they don't, it's like, God damn you. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, it's just it's funny. It's very easy to get kind of caught up in other people's opinions, I guess, mm-hmm. of you and your work and whether they think it's mm. good or not. And that's something you really have to let go of. Uh, yeah. That yeah, that's true. And I don't care what they think. I just want them to read it. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> look, I, I'm sad that I only have two middle fingers. I'm going to wear these out, you know? Um, no, I, I totally get that. It's just, yes, I'm looking at it in a different way. It's like, just take a chance, be willing to get oh, through it, you know? Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I, I get it. I don't care if they don't like it. <laughs> I just want that's them to read. I struggle with, though, at times. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I know going into it that not everyone's going to like it. Yeah. Um, there are books a, that I don't like, and that's fine. Yeah. Every book we, isn't for everyone. Yeah, we like what you like. Um, yeah. And as writers, you know, I can't write to an audience other than myself. Yeah. You know, I have to make myself happy. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, you want what you write to resonate with other people. Awesome. Like, like now that I know I've got a, a pretty good group of people who like my cozy series i i'm trying to be mindful of the fact that they're reading it and they're they're invested in these characters so i want to do a good job for them but ultimately i have to do a good job for myself and hope that they like what i've written i'm you can't know what they're going to like and what they're not going to like so you know that's the litmus test for me like did i like it yeah and it's surprising when other people enjoy it oh it's such a nice feeling yeah um and with my last book you know death's head i had like i wrote it in a, in a month that was my goal i want to write this book in a month it's a short it's a pulp it's like forty-five thousand words um you know but i just wanted to get it done in a month and i had like i remember one feeling good one day of the of the writing like feeling really good like i'm connected emotionally to this book i felt something today the rest of it is like i'm i'm understanding that that my prose seems com- competent to a degree like okay i know i'm putting down things that sound good to me but i didn't have any there was like nothing inside which was a weird experience and i so i had no idea what this was going to do 
Yeah. And so I, I, I got some feedback from like beta readers and, and like the first, the only couple people who bought the book because it hasn't sold for anything. Um, and I got one like a quick email, like, like the next morning or even later that night, like saying, don't write the next cozy. You start working on the sequel to this because I need to know what happens. Oh. And I just thought that was like, oh my goodness, that was so nice. Oh, unexpected. Yeah. yeah. Like, because especially coming in feeling nothing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, um, that was, that was really surprising. You know, I mean, I liked writing the villain because the villain is just terrific. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Once that first line came out of his mouth, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm not killing you off. We're going to keep you going because you're just too much fun. Um, That's how I kind of like that too with my, with my main villain. There's even a part of me that kind of wants thinks about like when the series is done, I might go back and write a prequel about him and like what led him to where he is and why he is the way he is. Yeah. Fascinating. Because he's not a villain in his own story. No, he's not. Right. The villain is always the hero in his own or her own story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's all a matter of perspective in that that regard. Yes. Well, can you talk about your current work in progress? Yeah, so um, I'm working on the third book. Um, It's in editing right now. So the series is um, the Mirrored Crown series. Um, Book one is The Princess of the Rebellion. And book two, the sequel, is called The Crystal of Medora. And um, book three, I am not 100% sold on the title, so I'm not going to say it yet. I'm hoping it'll be out in May. I think that's going to be my timeline, is to have it out in May. And... um, the series just it follows a 15-year-old girl named Lana, and one day while walking home from school, she is attacked by two men, and she escapes, but in the process, she learns that her parents aren't her parents, and she's a princess from another dimension, and her birth father, Aldrich, founded a rebellion um, against his father, the king. Um, And after the king's murder, Lana was sent into hiding. And so after she's attacked walking home from school, uh, you know, it's realized that the rebels found her. Um, She'll be safer back in her birthplace. It's a city named Bridian, um, where the army can kind of protect her. And while she's in Bridian, she's adjusting to her new life as a princess while mourning her, you know, her previous life, everything she knew, everything she thought she knew, um, her friends that she had to leave. And kind of while she's in Bridian, she learns the real reason why Aldrich and his rebels are so desperately searching for her. And I'll kind of leave that as like a dot, dot, dot. Nice. <laughs> okay. Well, that's intriguing. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's a good way to leave the ellipsis right yeah. there. Um, yeah. And the nice. kind of follows her, follows Lana and her story. Like I said, it's been with me for so long. I feel like mm-hmm. Lana is, you know, with me all the time. Sure. Right. You can like dress up as her sometimes, you know, <laughs> for cosplay. You're, yes. That's what you should do when you go to do book shows. That would be oh, awesome. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, just two more things. Is, um, is there anything else that you would like to promote while we are here? No, I mean, really right now, it's just, you know, that main series. I do have other kind of ideas that kind of pop in and out of my head, but not there yet. <laughs> okay, that's fine. And lastly, where can we find your books? 
Oh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble online, pretty much wherever books are sold. Yeah. Um, the eBooks are on Kindle Unlimited right now. So yeah. Nice. First two books are out. Third will be out in May. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's fantastic. That's good. Yeah. That's pretty soon. That's about yeah. when this is going to show uh, May. Yeah. So it'll be, it might be a good time coinciding with the release. Perfect. Buy the third book. <laughs> <laughs> and the first two, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes. Be supportive. Yes. Not like, not like Mark's friends and family. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I, you know, I love self-deprecating humor. I mean, come on. No one's going to skewer me harder than myself. So that's good. Uh, well, Jessica, I have had, really wonderful time getting to know you today oh, this is fun. oh good i'm i'm glad you came on and, and this was really a, a great time to learning about you and your writing process and i'm i hope your third book does smashing for you thank you <laughs> thank you yes it's about, yes that's right you tell them that's right go read mark's books for crying out loud you're breaking his heart <laughs> Oh, I'm going to do my commercial, and then we'll get out of here. Yes. All right. Hey, you've been watching and listening to Between the Lines. You can find us at unsaneradio.com. Listen to full episodes or download to your device. You can watch us on our YouTube page, Between the Lines Podcast. That's where you're at right now. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who would like our show, tell them about us. And if you're a writer who'd like to join me for a chat, email me at betweenthelines54 at yahoo.com. Betweenthelines54 at yahoo.com. And here's my cheesy out outro. See you next time between the lines. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you again. This was great. This is fun. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. 